Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, this is Carolyn with Homesteading Family and this week on the Pantry Chat we have a special guest in house, actually I'm in her house. Um, so welcome to Melissa Norris from melissaknorris.com. I'm so excited to have her here and today we're going to be talking about stepping up your gardening so that you're actually growing a year's worth of a crop. So I'm really excited about this because there are a lot of people out there who are like, okay, I'm ready to go from like salad gardening or maybe hobby gardening to getting serious about putting food on the pantry shelf. Yes. This is a good year to do that. This is an excellent year to do so. If you have not done this yet, like be serious about this. Really, let's listen to what Melissa has to say. She's definitely an expert on this. Um, So I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Me too. I'm very excited to have you here on the home center. Yes, I'm I'm here with you. Um, This many of you guys know Melissa and I are actually best friends in real life. But as odd as it sounds, we don't actually have the opportunity to hang out in person very much. And this Mm -hmm. is my first time here at your place. Yeah. So it's it's just it's been a lot of fun. We've been having a good time. It it has been yes. We probably had too much fun if that's possible. <laughs> we really enjoyed it. Um, so we have been, Josh is here too. He's floating around somewhere. But um, you know that secret project we keep hinting at? Well, let's just say Melissa's involved and we've been working on it and it's really exciting. It's fun to see it start coming together and see pieces coming. So I know we're going to tell you about it one of these days, <laughs> but um, but it is exciting and we actually had a lot of people guessing that it was that we were going to be involved in Abundance Plus, which is great. And we are going to be involved in Abundance Plus. We uh, have some stuff going on in the background for that. But that is not what this project is. I got to tell you guys, it's actually a lot bigger than us being involved in Abundance Plus. So it's really exciting. This is really exciting. This is actually going to do some amazing things in the homesteading world. Yeah. So it's pretty big. Yeah. It's a big thing. It, it is a big thing and it's worth the wait. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, we'll we'll okay. try not we'll to be too cryptic. You guys will be the first <laughs> to know about this for all of this teasing. We'll, we'll definitely let you know. So, okay. We're going to dive right in. What have you been That's up right. to this week? Aside from working on secret projects. Aside from secret projects. Well, the week prior, or I should even, I think it was only two days prior. (laughs) I was working on, it's not a secret, but I've just started being able to share about it. I actually was doing a three day photo shoot. Let me tell you what, you know how you clean and get things prepped before hosting like Christmas dinner or Christmas Eve. Well, when you have people coming to your home and you're filming and doing photo shoots that are going to be broadcast to the public, there is nothing that lights a fire under you and gets you to get stuff. Not that I'm slovenly to begin with, but like 
it was a whole new level of motivation. So you just did your whole spring cleaning in like three days? Yeah, <laughs> like three days. But we were working on, which I get, I do actually get to talk about, so you guys can hear this, I'm very excited about, a preservation book that we'll be releasing the end of this summer. And so it was really fun pulling out all of my stuff, but I'm really excited because one, it was great for me because this is springtime and I'm doing my a lot of my seed starting getting ready to, to finalize exactly what's going in, how many, how much do we need of every single thing for a year's worth of different foods. And so it really gave me a good scope of like, okay, I'm flush in this. I still have a lot of this preserved. I'm almost out of this. I want to do more of this. So it actually was like perfect timing for me planning wise mm -hmm. for the garden. Um, but then I'm so excited because it's a preservation book that's covering all of the ways to preserve food at home, which is really what a homestead needs. I mean, we all love, you know, canning, dehydrating, fermenting, like root cellaring, and even using the freezer. Um, but to have it all laid out in one resource, it was kind of like, I want to be able to go somewhere when I've got 20 pounds of asparagus that I need to deal with. And there's, you know, strawberries are coming on because those are a little bit earlier in the year. I just need a resource where I can go and I can look at asparagus and it tells me all of the safe ways that it can be preserved at home. Mm -hmm. And then it gives me the recipes and the tutorials that I need in one spot. I don't have time to hunt and peck and search all over Google and wonder, is this actually from an approved source or is this like a trusted, is it going to turn out? I'm like, I just wanted it all. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to create this document for myself, I probably should share it with other people. So I'm really, I'm, we don't even have a title yet, but I'm super excited. I'm excited about it because you, I think you really nailed it is that, you know, you end up with these huge baskets of tomatoes on your shelf and you're like, well, yeah, of course I can do diced or we, I can do, you know, whatever it is that yeah. I normally do, but yeah. sometimes you just want it right there. You don't want to have to go dig through the books to, you know, what is that processing time and what exactly is this and what is that? And yeah. You know, to have it all in one place is, I'm excited about yeah. that. <laughs> I think it's going to be really fun. So when does that come out right now? What's the target date for that book to release? Yeah, we're hoping the the end of summer, I mean, with, with print time and mm -hmm. at the time of this recording, there's even paper shortages. So it's kind of we're in flux on getting the exact, I don't actually even have that yet yeah. because we're seeing, can they get paper to meet the print times, all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. Like, you know, well, well welcome to right, the rest. Right. We're all in the same boat experiencing that in all different ways. So hopefully by the end of summer, if we can get it sooner, we absolutely will. But it, it's coming this year. You'll still get to use it for harvest season. Yay, yeah. that's exciting. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that more when it gets closer to the time. So that was a busy week. And on top of that, now you're talking about the photo shoot, but I'm looking around and I see you're starting seeds. You're doing all sorts of other things in the middle of all of that too. <laughs> yes, yeah, because the garden, when you're seed starting, you've got a little window. I mean, you can kind of push it maybe a week or two later, but much beyond that, you've been you kind of lost it and you might as well either just go buy them as starts. Um, you've lost that opportunity. Yeah. 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 You, you only have so long, especially if you're in a area with a shorter growing a shorter window. Season. Yeah. That's, that's how we are. It's like, if you miss that date to plant your bell peppers, then you might not get many bell peppers this year. So it's, <laughs> it's actually important to like stick to that calendar. I've done it before. Like thinking like, let's just see, like I missed it, but I've got these seeds like let and you get like, you get like two and they're just starting to form. They're not even full yet. And then the frost comes and you're like, that was really a waste of that space <laughs> and my time. So yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, so I have been canning. I've actually, uh, we're behind you quite a bit. You don't have any snow right now. No. You've got daffodils popping up. It's beautiful. It's so nice to see the sunshine. <laughs> um, but at our house, we are starting to see a little bit of sunshine and the snow is melting, but we had such a heavy snow year that we still have snow sitting on the ground. So we are starting some of the um, long runway starts. Mm -hmm. We have our bell peppers seeded. We've got our uh, celery in. We've got, you know, some of those things going, onions, obviously, um, inside. But we've really got probably a few more weeks before we start putting the rest of the things in. So, yeah. um, so in the meantime, I am canning, canning, canning. Okay. And uh, we just filmed a video for inside my membership, the Homestead Kitchen membership a few minutes ago. And I was sharing that I have been really canning up a lot of meals um, because spring and summer get so busy. And then you're right into fall, which is for us the busiest yes. season of all, trying to keep up with everything that needs to be done before winter hits on top of all the preserving. And you know, the garden, you're still, you're still gardening. Like you still have to garden yeah. even in the fall, even though you're yeah. bringing the stuff into the kitchen. And, um, and so I like having those meals on the shelf. So I've been really canning meals. I've been freeze drying meals. Let me tell you, you guys, if you have not, if you have a freeze dryer and you have not made that chicken pot pie filling to go in the freeze dryer, like go watch the video. It's we'll link it somewhere, wherever up here somewhere or down below. Yeah. <laughs> um, go watch it because that stuff is phenomenal. <laughs> I don't think it will last till fall. Yeah, Everybody no. just keeps eating it. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, I haven't done I, my freeze dryer. You guys can't see it. It's literally sitting right here. And I'm like, I need to go watch the video. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need to, to get the, I need to do it. I haven't done that one yet. <laughs> Josh, I don't know if you heard him, but he says, I make the best chicken pot pie in the whole world. So I believe that's, you, you said that's, my recipe. Was that, that, was that how you got, that's not why he proposed. No, I'm teasing. It was, there was a conversation the, though. I'm, it was yeah. one of the foods that I definitely used to like keep his interest. There were yeah. about three yep, main three foods okay. that I was like, I just keep like dribbling these out here and there <laughs> as we were dating. And it worked. It. It's a, you know, it's yeah. a good thing. One day I'm going to write a book that's like food to catch a man. Okay. That, that's probably like not considered cool in the modern whatever world, but you know, I, I kind of don't count myself as part of that world. Yeah, I'm not one of the cool kids in, in the modern society either. So it's all over good friends. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to say it's a biological fact that men are attracted to good food. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing to cook for. All is. right. So okay. before we get ourselves we into get, too yeah, much we're trouble. We're going to be in hot water in a minute. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So we have a question of the day before we dive into the main topic. For those of you guys who are new to the pantry chat, um, we always do a little bit of chit chat at the beginning, but we have it timestamped. If you're watching on video, if you're listening in on a podcast, just fast forward and we do get to the main topic, I promise. But first, um, a question of the day, Whit McMole on Instagram. I have a bunch of seeds that are years old. Should I throw them out? I was thinking about throwing them all in one area and seeing what makes it. I gotta tell you, I have absolutely done that same thing. Just like taken all my old seeds and tossed them into a garden bin. And you'll be amazed at what still comes up because some seeds are very resilient. Some yeah. seeds last a long time. Now you do a lot more seed saving than I think we do. 
So what for you, like, how do you store your seeds to last a really long time? And then how long do you expect them to last? Or do you get fresh seed of everything? This is an ongoing battle between Josh and I. I'm like, they'll be good for five years. They'll be fine. And then, and he wants fresh seed every year, which I'm kind of good with because I like having a lot of extra seed right, anyways. But there has been the time or two where I've insisted that we don't buy the new seed and then we have had a bad germination. <laughs> And you know how that goes, like, yes, you know, every relationship ever. Yes. <laughs> so the next year I'm buying all fresh seed. So what do you do? Yeah. It depends on the seed. So kind of a rough rule of thumb is the larger the seed. So think, you know, bean seed and peas and squash, the larger seeds tend to be viable longer. So okay. they will last like we've had. Now I will preface this with saying with the bean seed, because we have, seed saved our own strain of bean seed in my family for over a hundred years. Um, so I have not tried this with store-bought for lack of a better term, bean seed, but we have had bean seed that has been almost eight years old. And it was like, Oh, this is in the back. Or I will have a year where last year, for example, I had bean mosaic virus come through. It only, it did not hit my, October beans or my Cherokee black beans, it only hit my Tar Heel pole green beans, which is our strain, which was actually kind of devastating because it was the first year that my dad did not plant because oh. he's 84 now and he, I'll cry if I talk about it. Anyways, I, of all the things that were hard and hit me, that was him aging. Yeah. So anyways, sorry. Um, <laughs> So of all the years for it to happen, I can't go and replace those. Um, I don't have, I have one sister who grows them and a brother some years. And, but it's not like I can just go and order more of those seeds. So I was devastated, but thankfully a really close neighbor, neighbor of ours also was growing some. And it's so weird. He did not get hit with it at all. Oh, so it was very strange. Okay. Um, anyway, so I was very grateful and he's like, I have got all the seed you want. Come and harvest everything that you want. So love having those good neighbors. So I was able to go and get that from him. But the, the whole moral of me sharing that story is there have been years where if you plant, beans are self-pollinating. So they're a great thing to start with seed saving. However, if you have two different varieties of beans and you plant them close together, they will start to cross a little bit. You will begin to see that. So we had done that. And then you don't notice it until the next year's begins to grow. So you don't, you don't see it happening that year. So if you have got bean seed that's starting to take on characteristics of other beans, it actually happened the year before. So I had to go back and I had to start counting back this bean seed and what year I'd saved it to figure out where it had been crossed and where I had a pure strain. So that's, we actually went back and we have grown bean seed that was eight years old. I did not have a hundred percent germination rate. But we had well over 50% germination rate. There you go. So littler seeds, especially I found the more oily, like littler seeds, like some of the lettuces um, and little tiny and onion seeds, mm -hmm. which are also tiny. Those ones, about two years. And then I really start to see their germination rates go down. Yeah. And of course, storing them where it's dark, it's cool, it's not humid, and also with your seed saving yourself, which I know a lot of folks are hoping to get into, making sure that you allowed it to get 
overripe and fully developed on the vine before you bring it in and harvest it. A lot of times with seed saving people, because there's like the prime where you pick it, where you're going to eat it. With seed saving, you usually let it go a little bit beyond that. So just, just that. So I've also found with seed saving, if people don't do that, then they don't have quite as good of germination rate. But, you know, we definitely do. But if you're kind of questioning, like, oh, man, I'm not sure, you can do a little germination seed test where you, you put them, get them damp, put them in a paper towel in a little Ziploc bag, and then see how many of them begin to, to sprout. And that'll give you an idea if any of them are going to sprout or not, or if only half of them do, if you've got enough seed to plant what you want for the year for that. Yeah, that's really the ideal way to go is just do your own germination test in your kitchen. Like that, that's fine. Once they sprout, you can toss them out. You don't have to plant them. But if you only have 50% of them sprout, then you know you have to double seed them, right? Yeah. Give, just heavily seed them. Yeah. And you can go a lot longer than that. That's, you know, there you have your ideal window and you have your... My germination life. rate yes. isn't great, but I can just seed it really heavily. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you can get a really, really long time. If... <clears throat> excuse me, if you're really interested in extending your seed life, um, whether you're bringing it in store-bought or you're saving, saving it yourself, um, Carol Debbie in her book, the Res I think it's The Resilient Gardener, has an entire phenomenal section on survival seeds and like how to turn your seeds into a survival seed bank with additional dehydration time and a certain type of storage that should at least double your seed life at high germination rates. So that's something to read and get into if you're interested in that. But great. Yeah, I think that's a great little discussion. And you know, if all else fails and you're just you already have fresh seed and you're ready just to move it on, just throw it out into a bed and see what happens. It's kind of fun. Put it yeah. in an area that's not doing much anyways, and maybe you'll end up turning it into a productive area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. So, just scattering some seeds, like yeah. there's no loss. There Try really it. isn't. Yeah, but if you're just going to throw them away anyways, do yeah. that. Okay, so we're going to jump into the main topic today, which Melissa is very much the expert in, and I, I really love this idea, and that is to start growing a year's worth of one type of food. So yeah. even, you know, some of us are starting a garden. Some of us are starting to expand the garden. We're like, oh, how are we going to, you know, grow a year's worth of food for everything that we're trying to grow and get it into the pantry? And that may not be the right place to start. I would not start there. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. You can easily get overwhelmed and frustrated and then end up with a full failure <laughs> and a lot of frustration, wasted money and time and energy. So instead, though, what's a great way to go? Yeah. Instead, I recommend that you pick one crop. Now, and this is going to be different for everybody for two reasons. One, if you've already been gardening and growing some of your own food, you may already be growing a year's worth of something. You might be growing a year's worth of a few things. I know you guys are. So what I, my ideal for everyone, and this is even the challenge to myself so that I don't get overwhelmed, but each year we're becoming even more self-sufficient is each year I pick one more crop to grow an entire year's worth of. So that way you're building every single year, you're building that skill set, you're building up your pantry, but you're doing so in a way that's very sustainable because there is so much that goes on with homesteading. You you have to pace yourself that way yeah. so that it's lifelong. Yeah, that that's the number one thing that we see is that people jump in 
maybe a little too wholeheartedly yeah. because it's easy to handle the seeds when you're yes. in these little trays in your kitchen. Like yeah. they're not a lot of work, but once they go out into the garden and you know, they're in the wild and you're pulling out real weeds and not yeah. the little like teeny things that yes. pop up in your seed tray. Um, it's a lot of work and it, it can is. be overwhelming. And then you have to get that thing into the kitchen and figure out how to preserve it all and everything. Yeah. And the space and getting confident with different methods. And mm -hmm. yeah. So that, and then, I also like to look at it from one, you have to assess your climate, but secondly, looking at what is it that your family enjoys eating, likes to eat, and you eat on a very consistent basis. I mean, we love fresh strawberries, but I don't eat fresh strawberries all year long. Like when they're in season, I love them. However, cooking wise, we eat a lot of green beans. And we eat a lot of tomato-based products. So tomato sauce, tomato soup, salsa. But the base of that is tomatoes because I can create so many meals from a base of tomato or you know, stretch it if we're doing tacos or nachos or something like that, then I'm gonna be using the salsa, that type of a thing. So look at what you are eating on a very consistent basis that will also grow in your climate. I happen to love sweet potatoes. We can't grow sweet potatoes here. We're right. just too cold. <laughs> our, our season is much too short. So with those go through. And the reason for that is because one, if you have identified what that is and it grows in your climate, if you're producing that at home, it's going to make a big impact on your budget. You're going to save a lot of money because that's something you're no longer buying at the store, but it's also going to make a really big impact on your health because when we're growing it at home, we are harvesting it right at peak. We're taking it right off the vine and then we're preserving it really close to that. So there's not that space of it being picked and then it being shipped because as soon as food comes off of the vine or off of the plant, it's, you know, it's picked, it does begin to lose its nutrients. So the faster that you can preserve that or consume it, you're going to have a higher nutrient load than anything that you buy off the store. And sometimes even the farmer's market, because you're picking it in your backyard you're bringing it in and dealing with it. And even the farmer's markets, they're going to pick it the day of maybe the morning, but most of them a few days before. It's still much fresher option than probably most of the things on your grocery store shelf produce wise. I'm not, I'm not dissing farmer's markets, but if you can figure out how to grow that yourself, you're making so many impacts on your health and your budget. And you're doing it one item at a time. When you're looking at space, I think people think a year's worth of food and they're like, oh, I don't have, like, I don't have the space for that. Well, think about everybody has space. Even if you live in an apartment, you could grow a year's worth of herbs, most likely, you, you know, pick basil, pick something like dill, you know, something that grows and is, is leafy and you're harvesting the leaves, oregano. So really, if you don't have space yet, or you're like, I don't really have time to do a full on garden, or I just have a balcony, pick, pick an herb and grow and harvest a year's worth of that. Plus, you don't need any special equipment in order to preserve herbs. You can do them in salt. We have a, a herb salt video. You guys can, can go and check that out um, where we use a couple different methods, but it's using salt that preserves it for the whole year. You can dry them without any special equipment. You may even be able to grow basil all year long if you have a sunny windowsill indoors even. So think about starting small. If you've got a little bit more gardening space, think about vertical and things that produce multiple Per plant. So what I mean by that is if you plant a garlic clove, you're going to get one bulb of garlic, but that's it. And, and it's a wonderful thing. We do grow a year's worth of garlic, but if you plant one bean seed, you are going to get a ton of beans, especially if you do a pole bean. 
Whole beans produce more per plant than bush beans. You do have to provide some type of support, but then you can also usually grow underneath them. I'm a huge proponent of pole beans, mm -hmm. if you can't tell, because I can put two crops in the same space and I'm getting more beans. So I love them. But think about that, like tomatoes, you get multiple tomatoes per plant. You get one onion per, you know, onion set. So think about that. We're not saying don't plant those like root crops. You do get a lot of potatoes per plant versus one beet per plant. So kind of think about that. That'll help you maximize your space if you're really going for a year's worth of something. It's easier to grow in a smaller amount of space, a year's worth of green pole beans than it is a year's worth of beets, for example. Yeah, I, I think that's so valuable. So I'm just gonna sum up a few of the things that you just said here, because I think that was, there's a lot packed into there and it's, it's so important. So pick one item that your family likes to eat. <laughs> this is so important. So many people are like, well, I'm going to grow a you know bunch of cabbage because I hear that it feels well or grows well right in this area. And then, but their family doesn't like to eat cabbage. Or you don't know how to cook it. <laughs> you don't, yeah. I mean, I, I know that's not, yeah, it's not something that yeah. you're using on a regular basis. And so you're mm -hmm. not sure how to prepare it different ways. Well, and that's even me. I still struggle with winter squash and like getting that into the diet. Yeah, I can grow tons of it. But if you're not in a position to put it into your diet, I mean, I don't want to eat pie every week, pumpkin pie every week, you know, so you got to yeah. figure out how to eat it in a savory way. Yeah. So make sure it's something that you like to eat. You're already eating. You know how to prepare. So I really like that. Make sure it's a food that grows really well in your area. If you need any special modifications to your climate, <laughs> it's probably not the right food. For us, that's tomatoes. Like tomatoes don't like North Idaho unless you've got plastic hoops over them. That's how I have to grow too. Yeah. yeah. And so it might not be the right place for you to start. Make sure that you're also choosing something that has a really good return for the space you're putting towards it. So lots of fruit on one plant, lots of produce on mm -hmm. one plant instead of just one. So I think that's all super valuable. And, you know, something I really like about this method is, is you know, this, this idea of leveling up your gardening one crop at a time. Mm -hmm is it gives you time to learn about that crop. Yes. Right? It yeah. gives you time to really dive yeah. in. If you're just like, oh, I'm going to grow more of everything, you're trying to learn more about the problems that you're encountering, why it isn't growing, what the soil conditions are, mm -hmm. and then you're, you know, figuring out how to preserve it in different ways. Yeah. You know, you're like, well, okay, bell peppers have to be preserved this way and, you know, carrots are this way. And you're kind of having to give your brain to a lot of different things. But yeah. instead, you can have this deep dive year where you're like, this is my potato year, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it is. And you're like investing yourself into this one plant. So by the time next year rolls around, you are already a potato pro. Yes. And you're ready to go on and become a you know, I don't know, a tomato pro, whatever yeah. it is that's next. And yeah. so I really think that this helps to, you know, move you forward substantially while not being super overwhelming at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. So did you have one thing that you started with? Yeah. Doing this? Yeah. It actually, it was the green beans. And the reason for that is because growing up, I was helped in the garden. Like that was just, I remember being a toddler and going behind my mom and she would show me like, the knuckle on your finger, how deep to poke my hole to put the oh. seeds in, you know, for, for whichever it was. And I uh -huh. remember the green beans vividly. And so my mom always canned because we always seed saved and we only ate our homegrown green beans. So I never had store-bought. So I grew up watching and knowing that. So it was very natural for me when we start as a, 
newlywed when mm-hmm. my husband and I started our first garden, I already knew what it looked like to grow a year's worth of green beans. And I knew how to preserve them. But that was the only crop that we grew a year's worth of and preserved. Okay. So for years, we had, you know, the fresh eating from the garden, of course. But the only thing I was growing a year's worth of and preserving was green beans. And then I had some health scares and started looking at the food I was buying from the store. For example, tomatoes, because tomatoes are very hard to grow here in the north, especially we get double the amount of rainfall that you guys get. And you guys already get a decent amount of rain. Yeah. So the only way that I can grow tomatoes here without experiencing blight, it has to be undercover. And so my parents never dealt with tomatoes. Like we didn't grow tomatoes Mm -hmm. because they're kind of a pain. And like you were saying that they take special care, but at that time, 12 years ago, in order for me to find in a glass jar, heirloom, truly organic tomatoes or tomato sauce that didn't have high fructose corn syrup in it or a ton of added sugar, you know, all the things, the only way that I could find them and one, we could actually afford it. Honestly, at that time, I had to figure out how to grow them. And so I knew if I, I knew if I could do it with beans, I could figure out how to do it with other items if I was serious and intentional about it. So that's how we, how I started. And then it was that then just each year I'm like, okay, I had my tomato year, got that figure. That one actually took me two years. I'll be honest. That took me two years to figure out. (laughs) And then I could add, you know, then we just started adding in the rest and the rest and the rest. But I know probably a lot of people, because I had the same thought, I'm like, well, I know what we need for green beans because I had been doing it so long and I just mimicked the amount and I cooked similar to my mom. I don't know if you have a mom who cooked and you grew up with them, you probably cook similar dishes and amounts, um, just based on the number of miles you're feeding, you know? So I'm like, how do I know how much is a year's worth of this stuff? Right. And for my family size, because what's a year's worth for me and what's a year's worth for you guys is very, very different numbers, extremely different. And based upon what you eat and how often it's going to be different numbers. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and created a worksheet for myself on how to figure out. And I don't, I've never been, sometimes I feel guilty for saying this this way. When I grow up, I want to be one of those cool people who menu plan, like have a whole month of all the meals done on the calendar. Oh, wow. And I'm That's not, ambitious, right? I feel really good if I get a week done. That's where I'm at. We're, we're about a week. Like I know the meals and, the, and for about a week and I've got those things I can pull out if I don't have anything. I'm like, oh, I know I can make that real quick. Right. Um, but I didn't really know in a month to be able to calculate times 12, how much are we actually eating of all of these individual things? So I had to create myself a worksheet. I created a sheet and I tracked it. And then I could go and look at the average amount each vegetable and fruit would produce per plant in an average growing year. And then I'm like, okay, based upon these two things, now I know exactly how many I would need if I want to produce a year's worth of those foods. Right. Which is actually all in this chart. I, yeah. Anything that I create, it's because I need it or I want it. Yeah. And so that was the basis for this, the family garden plan, but all of those charts and those worksheets and even more of them, they're all in here because your garden needs to be practical. And as a homesteader, I think even more so like, because we have a more sustainability goal than just gardening. Like our goal is to really feed our family and also beginning to seed safe. Like we go so far beyond like homesteaders, like, the Lord bless our hearts because we are ambitious people. <laughs> we're not afraid of hard work, are we? No, we're not. No. 
maybe not as afraid as we should be sometimes. Sometimes it's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I think that is amazing. And I will definitely put the link to this book in the description for you guys, because that is so valuable. And a lot of it is based, you know, any chart that you get in gardening, mm -hmm. it's based off of somebody's garden. Yeah. And it may not yeah. be perfectly accurate for your garden. Maybe you live in you know, Georgia, and you're in the far opposite side of the country than, um, than, than we're us. in. Yeah. But it's still a starting place. And that's what we all need. We need a starting place. And then you need to keep, start keeping your own records so that you can adjust as necessary. And sometimes those records are as easy as you were talking about this at the beginning, you know, looking at the food that you still have on the shelf when it comes back to garden season yeah. and being like, Ooh, you know, for me this year, I don't know what I was thinking, but I put up like quadruple the amount of pickles that we need. And like, I like pickles, Same. but, but that was a little out of control. Many. I did not need that many pickles. I'm kind of going, well, I wonder how much the pigs like pickles right now, because you know, after they sit on the shelf for about a year, they're not as crispy as they used to. No. Anyways. Um, and so it can be as simple as that. It doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to do anything really advanced, but just taking a note that, Hey, last year I put up this many jars. And I like, we're still going to be eating these next winter. I don't need as many. Mm -hmm. I'm just adjusting for there. And I think that that simplifies the whole thing. And again, especially if you're doing it one crop at a time. Yeah. And then Melissa touched on something that I really want to bring out. Doing it one crop at a time also gives you the time to take that full circle and figure out how to save your seed. Mm -hmm. on that thing because it's what we really want to do you know at our homestead we talk all the time about closing the loops closing the circles like yes i can do this this year but if i couldn't get seed from the store could i do it next year yeah you know so in everything you're doing you want to start thinking about that like how do i close this loop so that i can become more self-sufficient or community sufficient yeah. you don't have to do it all yourself maybe your neighbor's doing it yeah maybe that you support each other because you're both doing it or maybe you're like hey you know if you grow this variety of squash and save the seed, I'll grow this variety yes. of squash and save the seed yeah. so we can have fresh seed without any cross-pollination. So, you know, just really take that thought all the way through. Start keeping your own records and get serious about producing a year's worth of food this year. I think you're going to, this is not one of those things you turn around the next year and you're like, oh, I'm so sad that I did that. Like, no, no, you're not going to say that. That's no. not going to happen. No, You'll be like, oh my gosh, I feel so empowered that I got a year's worth of one type of food up on my shelf. Yes. That's an amazing feeling. So yeah. you guys, isn't it great to have Melissa here? Thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah. I, I can think of a few areas where I want to put that into practice, actually, in a few okay. places that... I think even for me, even though we're growing most of the food that we mm -hmm. need for the year and most of the crops, I think picking a crop of a year to really focus on focus and on. study and yeah. like get better at yeah. and really get the seed saving down and all of those different parts, I think that's a good way to go too. So if you're already gardening, you're already producing a lot, think about that and um, you know choose that crop that you really need to deep dive into and study on. Yeah. So do you know what it's going to be? Not offhand. Not yeah. <laughs> I, know, I totally put her on the spot. No, I did mm. potatoes last year, but okay. as you were talking, I think this year I might do celery. I've only grown one celery plant once, and that was last year, which was definitely not a year's worth. It's really funny how you, you know, like to somebody else, you're like, well, I grow like a ton of celery. Like, but, but as you were saying, starting this celery, I'm like, oh, I didn't start celery seeds. 
I think that might be my Well, I'll tell year. you what, this is our first year growing celery too. So we, of all the things that That's we so grow. That's so funny. <laughs> and I'll you know what made the difference and made us decide to do a full crop? Uh, to tell you the truth, it's the freeze dryer. Because mm -hmm. I keep thinking, what am I going to do to preserve celery in yeah. the way that I want yeah. to eat it? But we, I eat it a lot. It's a base of a lot of it different meals. It is a lot. But I usually want it kind of like I don't, Fresh. I don't want to yeah, can you no. only, You can't even can celery no. by itself. There's not an improved time. No. And I don't know why you would want to in I don't the first either. place. And dehydrated, just eh, like it never rehydrates, right? right? So the freeze dryer to me was That's that it. ticket of okay. like, I can do this now. Now there's okay. a reason to do this. So we're both going to do celery, so which is celery. great. There we go. We've got it. This okay. Year. That'll be the crop of the year. So. I love it. Yes. All right, right now. you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Pantry Chat. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.